some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, 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 you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. We're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome back. Friday is officially here, the weekend, and hopefully you're having a great summer. I know that uh, we want to thank our friends at My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group as uh, we get set for a great week to play catch-up. This has been concert week for us. It sure has. How were the Foo Fighters? Okay, after an hour and a half rain delay, I will say there is something major that we as churches can learn from the concert crowd because everybody was chilled. Like, they're like, hey, we'll stay as long as the band will play. We don't care, you know, and then they're making plans. Well, what if they postpone it? When could it be? And like, everybody's just like, so I'm like, if this happened on a Sunday morning, if church started late or ran long and like you, people would be losing their minds. So I'm like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's keep this and like make it go contagious. But the part that I will say is even though it started later, they went the full three hours. They didn't shorthand the fans. There were no worries of city ordinance or anything. So totally rock and roll still does exist. I wanted to ask you though about James because oh. you know, James Taylor is one of my faves bucket list item to be able to see him. I'd never seen him. And so it was thrilling. He's 75. Mm. I don't know what I expected. I don't, you're just, I was used to a younger James Taylor, but what an amazing musician and performer. His voice is just still crystal clear. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And his little son, Henry, I call him little because he looks like he's 19 years old is one of his backup singers. That was fun. And he employs some of the best musicians in the world, including a singer who was major with Michael Jackson every tour. And mm. when the guy sang, you could see why. So we loved it. It was supposed to storm and it didn't. It stormed afterward, which is terrific. Perfect. So we loved it. It was well, great to see. You talk about family members, Dave Grohl, the front man for Foo Fighters, he brought his daughter up for two songs and she's got amazing pipes and, you know, like 20-ish probably, I'm guessing. But man, talk about run musical run. He, he, he joked, he goes, she got all the musical talent in the family. And it's like, this is coming from <laughs> the drummer of Nirvana and, you know, the front man of Foo Fighters. Anyway, uh, but yeah, great concerts. And then, of course, being Father's Day weekend, I had to have a movie in there somewhere. So my hero as a kid, Batman, making his return, Michael Keaton in The Flash, it's totally worth it. Even if you haven't watched any of the movies prior or maybe the 89 Michael Keaton Batman is the last one you saw, it's all the things. Like when you hear the music and it's all the orchestration from those movies in the scenes that he's in. And it just, I don't want to give any spoilers in case anyone hasn't seen it. And I know you haven't seen it yet, but it's great. Like it's, it's all the hype. There's so many surprises. There's two bonus scenes. Like it, it, it lives up. Uh, normally I wouldn't say that it does. Like I try to stay away from spoilers, but there's so many things that happen that you're like, I didn't even know that was going to happen. You know? So <laughs> it's great in the social media world where they can still keep things under wraps, you know? Well, we look forward to seeing it. So I'll have to give a report a little later of what I think. You know, I, I can go either way with superhero stuff. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, 
We have a story in the news that is very movie-like, unfortunately. And at the time of this recording, it is very, very urgent. There is a missing Titanic tourist sub. It's the size of a minivan. It has five people in it, including the man who created it, who was warned numerous times that maybe this thing wasn't all that safe. When you're going to view the Titanic, it's really far down there. It's 13,000 feet down, and it's malfunctioned, apparently, because the only way you can communicate with it is by a boat above and a text. That's it. You can't mm. GPS it. Yeah. I was. I thought, why couldn't they find this? Just sure. Look. Well, they can't find it, and it's urgent because there are only so many hours of oxygen left. So you can imagine the families involved and and the crew and what everybody's going through right now, and they just can't find it. And so our prayers and our hopes are that they're able to. Yeah. But there are numerous problems with that, Ace, because even if they find it, they're unsure if they would be able to retrieve it. Because this is the biggest, deepest dive attempt in history right mm. now. And they don't have very many things that can even reach that depth, much less try to pull the vessel out. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're definitely adding them to our prayer list. And I, I can't imagine, like, I'm a little claustrophobic, so I can't even imagine this tour being something that would intrigue me. But I know with the hype of the movie all, all these years, people want to see and know. And I guess if technology has been in place this long to give them the opportunity, um, just looking forward to hearing a success and a miracle story as they bring them to the surface. At $250,000 per person on that wow. vessel to go right up next to the Titanic. And some people think it may have hit the Titanic and it may be in the wreckage of the Titanic, which is really stunning. So we're just praying, as you said, for a very positive outcome. So they discovered something. A Rhode Island church with stained glass windows that was boarded up and they wanted to turn it into a residence. And so Mm -hmm. as they're peeling away layers, they come up on this beautiful stained glass in 19th century uh, New England, this glass. And it's very clear Jesus looks black in Mm. the stained glass. Now they called in an expert who said, We've never seen this before. We need to know more about the artist. Right. What meaning could, and they found out it was a woman, could this have had when they were making it? Because typically when you see Jesus depicted like this, he is very light-skinned. Yeah. Well, and you and I have had this discussion numerous times on and off the air of, you know, that our idea of or vision or someone else's artist interpretation of Jesus is probably going to be very different than what we see when we see him someday. But here's the thing too, even if depending upon how dark skin you want to consider or the nationality of where he was in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and all these places, the reality is he had to walk everywhere. How many times have you just like walked outside and not got a little bit of suntan? So, I mean, given the fact of that alone, like the depiction, them trying to depict Jesus for the way he truly looked, you know, there's really all of the sightings of people who have said that they've seen him, you know, in near-death experiences or dreams or whatever. I mean, most of those have even said 
that he's dark complected and that he didn't look like anything like I grew up on. Well, he was Middle Eastern. Yep. Dark skinned. Yep. And so there's a big debate about it. I don't I don't really understand why there's a debate about it. It's okay, isn't it, to have stained glass with a dark skinned Jesus? So here's the thing. Just know Jesus now so you can see him in heaven, and then you'll find out. And then you can either have bragging rights for eternity or not. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you're there. That's all we care about. That's going to be glorious, isn't it? Well, let's talk about how we can never be stressed. I think that's a pretty lofty claim from the article I found about self-care practices. But some of these are pretty potent things, and Mm. science tells us they really work. Among the habits, and we'll see how you feel about this, Ace, is to opt out of the news. That Sometimes people watch the news and they become aggravated and agitated. Yeah. I I can't tell you the last newscast that I watched. Like the way that I get my news is on my phone and I look at the stories. Like it's not that I don't care, but I'm getting, I choose what I read. I choose how much of it I read. It's not being fed to me and I'm waiting for the, you know, either the broadcaster to give his opinions or, you know, move on to the next story or whatever. Like that's, and it, and it does. It makes a huge difference when you are in control of how much you're allowing yourself to be fed in that way. Invest in your hobbies. I think this is an incredible idea um, to really focus on things that bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, spend the gardening gloves. I just discovered blackberries in my backyard, by the way. Yeah. But they have incredible thorns. <laughs> so what do I have on the way? Leather gardening gloves for thorns that go up to your elbows, and I can't wait to pick blackberries in my leave it, backyard. Leave it to you to be fashionable while you're gardening. <laughs> Everyone else is like up to their elbows in soil and, you know, <laughs> selfie. But the thing that I loved on this list is as a de-stressor is cooking. Like, and I know for probably some who go, I'm a terrible cook. Like, then that's probably the one area I believe in my life when life feels chaotic and out of control. Like, I can go in there and I can be creative and there is a final product and hopefully it tastes great and maybe something I never tried before. Go for a walk before any tech. A walk anytime is a great idea. A green smoothie, I absolutely love those. Get a lot of the constant noise out of your life. Mm. You know, you're into music and in your house, music is constantly playing, but they say at some point we need to have some solitude where noise isn't being pumped in. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I will say as someone who does have music playing pretty much nonstop, in those moments when there's not anything playing or I need to be quiet, it it's pretty loud, but it's so peaceful that I forget, but then I don't let it stay there long because then a song gets stuck in my head that either I want to listen to or a song I don't want, so I listen to something else to drown it out. So, you know, there's <laughs> all that. It's a very complex situation. Say no more often. I think there are a lot of people pleasers where no is tough, but you you need to say no to live your best life. Use a gratitude journal, you know, just jot down things that you're grateful for. And this made me laugh out loud because this is you and me totally pegged. Number 17 on how to have less stress in your life, 
do all your chores in one day. Right? <laughs> or like yeah. I'm doing this summer where I give them to the kids and then I don't have to do them at all. <laughs> Talk about lowering your stress. <laughs> I love when you can lower your stress in the summer and you're looking for a house and you're thinking, I can't afford it. Well, that's why we have Turin and the team at Birmingham Mortgage Group. Roxanne and I are in our homes as a result of Turin and his team and the amazing programs that they find to help meet your budget. And this is the summer to get you in that dream home. This is the time, you know, a lot of people make big choices Location, location, location is important when you've got kiddos. What school are they going to go to? Teren Newell of Birmingham Mortgage Group has kids. He gets it. Yep. He understands. He loves the Lord. He prays with you. He's compassionate. And he'll get you to the point where you can get a home. A lot of folks have some, some credit things going on. He yeah. can work with you to get you to where you're ready and has the right programs for you. Are you ready to call someone fabulous to help you with your mortgage? It's Birmingham Mortgage Group. Call to Ren, 205-259-1656 or go to behammortgage.com. So I wanted to ask you, because you and I are a little adventurous, maybe you more so than myself, but the story about the bungee cord that snapped in midair, this is why I don't do these stunts because these stories <laughs> scare the mess out of me. You know, I'll do a zip line. That's not bungee jumping. I, I will not bungee jump. Something went terribly wrong. A 38 year old from Hong Kong was visiting Thailand and got all strapped up, ready to do his bungee. And what's bad is his buddies talked him into it. Yeah. They dared him and he's like, well, okay, fine. I'll do it. And he gets up there. His name is Mike. He does the jump from a 10-story high podium and snap. Nope. Now, why are we talking about it? He is still alive. What happened? Fell on his left side. If it had been on his right, they say it probably would have been fatal. Mm -hmm. He fell on his left side in water. I just think about this. His feet were still tied together when nope. he went in. Mm. Yes. And the smack was so hard it knocked the breath out of him, of sure. course. And he still was able to swim to the surface. Wow. I mean, praise God, me, if you don't believe that your guardian angel is watching over you. <laughs> don't. And I'm not saying get on a bungee cord to see if you're going to have the same experience. But you would think here we are in 2023, because I remember when like bungee cords and jumps and slingshots and everything were like the big thing in its infancy. And I was like, there's just so much they don't know about the cord and how long will it last when you just keep shooting people like a rubber band? Like I remember those days as a kid playing with a rubber band in class. And at some point you wear it out. Right. So how often do they change the cord? So that's, that's where my head. So when I hear these, I'm like, yep, that's why all this time I'm not, you know, and if you're adventuresome and you've done it time and time again, and you've never had any issues or you run them, I applaud you because I could like, I even see like on TikTok these guys that do that. And then they'll jokingly go, wait, as they get ready to shoot them as like a joke. I'm like, don't play with my emotions yeah, like that. Funny. It's like, <laughs> I want to still have clean pants when I come out of this thing. Like, don't do that no to kidding. me. Well, the company paid for all of his doctor visits and bills and he was just severely bruised yeah. and they didn't have to do that because everyone signs a release. I didn't even think about that. You know, that if something mm, happens, sure. The company's not liable. 
And how are you not liable? You bought the cord, you attached the cord, you hired someone to run the cord, and I'm just going to waiver, sign it away, and go, nah, it's all, it's all me. I got this. <laughs> no way. I just can't <sighs> do it. Have you, like, dabbled into the AI stuff yet? Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable, and it's really fun to play with. You can put chat GTP. You can have Siri operate it, so you can ask it a question. Siri gives you the answer, and you can say, what we've done is say, all right, we need a bike route because we have electric bikes, and we pick a city, and then we need a good route. Yeah. It will give you a plan, including a place to go to lunch, in about two seconds. Well, I will say uh, I'll out myself. <clears throat> so I have used it as that there's actually a dream interpreter bot. And since I don't always have access to our buddy, Michael French, who, you know, helps to bring the spiritual aspect of what God may be saying in the dream. And what's funny is I had a very vivid dream that I had messaged to Michael and then I put it in the dream bot to see what if at all and the dream bots ideas were one thing and michael's was something totally else <laughs> so of course i'm receiving pastor michael because you know we trust him right this is just some computer generated whatever so there's a lot of nuances of it and then also this week in oregon they launched the first midday dj ai and i was like okay Let's see. And and the thing that's interesting is it's not that she sounds bad or that it even that I mean, you're aware that it's slightly computer generated, but she's doing the sample that I heard. She's doing a contest and giving away Taylor Swift tickets. And she's like, so do you know who you're going to take with you? Like very just, you know, monotone. And like you and I would be like, you're going to Taylor Swift. Like <laughs> that's missing. So until you can give me an AI with some emotions, I'm not 100% sold that it's, you know, Terminator and taking over the world. Well, the government is concerned. And you can see why, because already misinformation is being, people ask it things. And it can only give you what it's been programmed. Yeah. And that's frightening because if it gives you the wrong information and you're operating as if it's true, or if it sets something off, that's a yeah. big concern. As it grows, how do we regulate it? So that's why the government's looking into it. It's fascinating. We could talk four hours about it. But I have come to this conclusion. Trust in the Lord. Trust mm. his timing. Trust how he works. Psalm 3115, my times are in your hand. You know, who is more trustworthy than the Lord? And I get real impatient. I mean, when I can't even cook a microwave meal and think this is taking four hours and, I, you know, patience is not my virtue. But we have to trust that he's at work, that he loves us, that his plans for us are good. His plans are to prosper us. He strengthens us. He loves us enough sometimes to have us wait for very good reason. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. <clears throat> I love that this verse came up this week because I actually my wife and I had a big spiritual talk with our 12 year old son this week about his own journey and walk with God. And and he's in that, you know, asking questions phase, which I love because, you know, God's not afraid of our questions. But in the whole timing mindset, he and I, as we were talking, I said, listen, I said, bottom line, 
your walk with God does not look like mom's or mine or your sister's or your friend's. I said, and it's not about, you know, showing up on Sunday to check your box. I said, it's about every day trusting him so that you have a peace, so that while you're waiting on him to intervene in a situation or to present opportunities that you've been praying and hoping for, that you have a peace about it. So anytime that you're waiting on God, remember that if your peace or your joy are an expense, then that item in your life is too expensive. And I think that's where we have to be on the most elementary basis of timing with God is that he's not rocked by the things that happen in our lives because he's taking us through it to show how much he loves us, to show the grace, to show the mercy that comes with knowing him. But again, you know, if we can just allow ourselves to wait and then go, okay, I I don't, because then I always love when people go, how did you get that opportunity? I go, God opened the door. I mean, how many times can you say that if you really look? I mean, we can we can orchestrate things in our lives, and God allows that so that, you know, I guess we can pump our chest out and go, ah, look what I did. But then how many times does he end up taking it away, or it's fleeting and it's small, but then the thing that he's been waiting to give to you without any distractions, with plenty of time and trusting, you go, wow, this is far exceeds anything I could have asked for. Because he loves us so much. Mm. Amen. Amen. <laughs> One thing that we love is the Roxanne blend of coffee, mybrotherscup.com. What a wonderful place to go, especially if you want to gift yourself or someone else, because it sends missionaries around the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. And I love the fact, too, because um, anytime that I'm online, my brother's cup is always coming up with testimonials from people that they're like, Roxanne blend is my favorite. And they don't even know Roxanne. <laughs> They have chosen it by the fact that they have quality taste. And as a coffee snob myself, I can say, even if I didn't know Roxanne, it would be my favorite because the smells fill the air, you know, like the whole, you know, the best part of waking up. No, it's, it is absolutely (laughs) the only reason you should drink coffee is that, and knowing that it's for a good cause. So uh, find out more at mybrotherscup.com or simply go to roxanneandace.com and get yours today. We're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited excited every Friday, especially through the summer month. There's so many movies, so many new series, things to catch up on, and we got one to add to your list. A very exciting project. It launched this week. It's airing now a four-part docuseries that you are going to want to witness. A great learning experience as women and children were escaping violence from Honduras and from Guatemala seeking asylum in the U.S., and church members who'd never been involved with this coming together to serve the Lord and his purpose, which is to love each other. And we want to know more about this four-part docuseries. It is called Across, and we are super privileged to be joined by the producer and the director of this project, Julie mealy Courtswa. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So for those that are just hearing about it for the first time, tell us about a cross. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was born out of an episode of the Maybe God podcast um, where we tackle a lot of um, really tough issues that often keep people away from church. We're trying to reach skeptics or people who have walked away from faith because they just aren't getting the answers they want in church. And so we did an episode on immigration um, and I went out to, I was, um, I'm a 
formerly a TV producer, one of my TV producer co-worker, former co-workers reached out to me and said, you have to talk to this pastor in San Antonio. He's amazing because of where San Antonio is. He's getting all these people coming up from the border and passing through San Antonio and his hospitality houses are just filled with these women and children and their families who are just seeking help. And um, I went out and spent the day with them and was just totally moved. I was a new Christian at that point. I think I'd been a Christian about two or three years. Um, and what struck me in talking to these women and their kids and hearing their stories and hearing about their faith and just how strongly connected they were to God and just how strongly, you know, God was working and moving in their lives, even through the most horrific situations. I just thought to myself, why do we never hear about the immigration crisis and hear about the fact that the majority of the asylum seekers from Central America are actually evangelical Christians? Like, how do I not, how have I not known that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ? Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, I saw these Christians in San Antonio who were doing everything they could to help them and and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I thought, and why are these not the Christians that we're talking about um, and hearing from in the news? Why, you know, why can't we focus on all the amazing work that these Christians are doing along the border? And that that was the beginning of the podcast episode and the reaction from listeners was just, oh my gosh, this completely changed everything. We had no idea about these people and what they were experiencing. And, you know, we everybody was you know, had a, a certain perspective on the issue based on their politics instead of just getting sort of that humanitarian perspective. And so I just felt God tugging at me, you know, to go back to my video roots um, and to do a documentary. It started as a 90 minute documentary film turned into a four part documentary series. We followed three women and their children over the course of three years. We found, we saw, uh, family reunions. We saw court cases, you know, um, outcomes of court cases. We saw, like Roxanne was saying, churches that adopted these families and were completely transformed themselves um, and turned into, you know, as we started to peel back the onions of the layer, I layers of the onion, I was learning so much about the immigration crisis and asylum seekers that I just wanted to continue sharing and teaching what I was learning. And so that's how it evolved into a four-part documentary series. Julie, what are some of the misconceptions that maybe you had going in and maybe that the average American has about someone seeking asylum in this country? I think the biggest one is everybody assumes they're here illegally. And while they did cross illegally, um, that is a misdemeanor. Um, and once they are entered into the system, they, you know, they go to a border patrol officer and seek a request asylum, then they're in the court system and they are here completely legally. They become asylum seekers. The other thing, part of that is that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, um, you know, oftentimes we think, well, why did they do that? Why did they cross illegally in the first place? There are no other options for them. We've actually made that the easiest way for them to seek asylum. Um, and so it's not that they're wanting to be illegal once they, in fact, once they're in all the families that we worked with and you see it in the film, they go above and beyond to, to be above reproach, to follow the law because they so badly, you know, want to have a pathway to be legal in this country. Um, so that, that's the big one, you know, yes, yes, they cross initially legally once they're here and they request asylum, they're in the court system, they are here legally and, Again, we don't give them many choices for seeking asylum. That is literally how we've, you know, made it possible for them. The other misconception I would say is that they want to be here, that they'd rather be here. 
um, and all the families that I know would way rather be back with their extended families in Honduras and Guatemala, but they had to leave because they had no choice. So Julie, what do you believe is, as we're obviously erasing some of the stigmas of what people assume of these situations, they see it on the news and either they want to help or they immediately judge. So as that within itself may take time, what do you believe is the solution right now? I mean, we we stay out of politics in the film, and that's what I, I hope it will reach people on both sides of, of the issue because we do stay out of politics. And I cannot... Um, pretend to have any solutions. I just, I think everybody agrees that immigration reform needs to happen. There need to be clear pathways for women like the ones that we feature in the film to seek asylum. Um, I think in a large case, it's a lot of uh, victims of of victim, basically what's going on as a femicide there. We have some experts, some gang experts and some domestic partner violence experts in the film who talk about this. And there is, especially for women like that, there is actually no clear way for them to gain asylum. Usually to gain asylum, it needs to be for political reasons, religious persecution, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I don't have the answer politically. I just think, you know, we acknowledge that open borders is, you know, is not a compassionate solution necessarily. And and we're not advocating for building a wall. There just, there needs to be change. And, but I think for us, um, as opposed to just turning a blind eye to the issue, um, I think we need to start with understanding and, and compassion. Did you see evidence of women being trafficked? Trafficked? Um, so the pastor who is featured in the documentary Yes. Um, in fact, we couldn't we couldn't cover it, though, because it was so sensitive. But often what was happening was because they have to have a sponsor to stay in the country once they're entered into the court system. And a lot of these women, they don't have sponsors. And so there are people that reach out, guys that reach out to them on Facebook and like, I'll be your sponsor. And the pastor was able to literally just say, nope, you're not going. He had a couple very heated phone calls with some some traffickers and said, you're not taking this woman. We're keeping her here and we're going to find somewhere else for her to go. So we did have the, those kinds of experiences um, that we didn't actually capture in the film because there were some stories that were just too sensitive to share. And that was a big part of our process because the pastor, at first, he didn't really want to do this. He's very protective of these asylum seekers. And it took us months to establish trust with him and with these women. Um, so, you know, we treaded carefully and and avoided some of those issues on screen. Without giving away too much, because we do want people to stream and watch it, what's been the best rewarding part that you've seen through this whole process, like the families <laughs> or the people that you've helped? Um, that actually we see in the film, like part of the storyline or just... Just in general, of... like it, it could even be unrelated, but just as God has been moving and working through this process. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, um, you know, I think every step of the way, this is probably one of the biggest career undertakings I've done. You know, I've produced a lot of national talk shows and television shows, but I've never done anything quite this big. I mean, every step of the way, God has just put in front of me exactly the team and the people to make these projects happen. God made it very clear, the women that he wanted featured. Um, and you know, one of the nicest compliments that I have ever received on this film is, um, there was a woman who said, you know, I didn't think it was possible to capture miracles on camera, but you did it. You captured miracles. And I don't want to give away some of the things that happen in the final episode, but you, you really do experience mm. just the miracles that are happening in these women's lives. And it's just you're along for the ride and it's really special to be there with them. 
How has this experience influenced your faith? (laughs) So much. Like I said, I was a new Christian when I first met these women. I became a Christian about eight years ago. Um, and that's when everything changed career wise for me too. I want, you know, suddenly I, the stories I wanted to share were a lot different. I think if I were to have produced this film before I became a Christian, I think it would be a very different film. I think it would be very depressing. I think I would have seen these women as victims that need us to come in and rescue them. Um, and instead now I'm just so inspired by these women and their faith. And my own faith has grown mostly my prayer life. My prayer life has completely changed because I watched these women walk through truly the darkest valleys, um, being, you know, literally having children murdered, um, or being separated from them in detention centers and the, the fasting and the praying and the pleading with God and the reading of the Psalms, um, is just amazing the way God responded to them in those moments was just so amazing to watch that. I would say that that has just deepened my prayer life, especially, you know, my son was in the hospital for a few days unexpectedly. And I was just down on my hands and knees pleading with God in a way I had never. And I was, I was, it was because of these women and what I had seen, how I had seen their relationships with God. It just completely changed my own. So you Julia- just glow with Jesus. It's just amazing <laughs> oh, to see sweet. just your beautiful face and the, the evidence of faithfulness, because that can't be easy to dedicate so much time and effort to this stunning. (laughs) Well, thank you. It was, it was a huge undertaking. And honestly, it was a big journey in trusting God, you know, from the beginning, I just thought, how is this going to, there were so many hurdles from day one, but again, God just continued to open door after door. And, and even now people in the secular world are like, what are you going to, you still have, you know, where is this going to end up on distribution? And they're stressing out for me. And I'm like, you know, God's had this all along and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. And I can't wait to see where he takes it. But I know these are stories he wants heard. Julie, you said that this had sparked from the podcast that you're part of Maybe God. I would love to know more about that, because if you guys are diving into the topics and the things that either the churches need to be talking about or that Christians need to be having the discussions, I'd love to hear a little bit more. So as fellow podcasters, we're, you know, letting people know about where these discussions are happening. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a little background. When I first moved to Houston and became a Christian very unexpectedly, um, I was at a church called the Story Church, and they are specifically reaching non-religious people with the gospel. And, you know, I was, they were six months into being planted when I walked through the door. And that's when I realized once I became a Christian, I was like, I've got to, I've got to share story. I've got to reach the person I was before. I really felt like I was unreachable um, and I need to reach people outside of the church. And my background is all storytelling. And the host of our podcast, he's the pastor of the Story Church too, is just a phenomenal interviewer. Um, And in, in his church, because there's so many people that have either walked away from the faith. A lot of people in Houston, Texas grew up with very fundamentalist backgrounds and they walked away, um, but they're able to kind of come back in because we're a church that leads with a lot of vulnerability, a lot of storytelling, and a lot of sort of tackling and wrestling with the hard issues. And so we created the Maybe God podcast in 2018 um, to reach a much wider audience than just the church. And we have, we have listeners all over the world um, and we tackle all sorts of stuff from obviously immigration, sexuality, 
mental health issues. Um, you know, we had an episode called why do pastors screw up tackling, you know, tackling some of the, the affairs and stuff that we're hearing about in the news all mm. the time. Um, the issues that keep people often away from the church. And, you know, we've had so many people have written to us to say, I never thought I'd be back in church and I'm still not ready to go back to church, but I'm listening to this podcast and it's renewed my faith mm-hmm. in God and in the Bible. Um, so that's been really awesome. It's been really awesome to see. That's great. Well, the Lord has certainly given you a very big platform with your podcast and your docu-series. Where can people find out and stream and learn more? Absolutely. Um, Acrossdocumentary.com is our website. And that's where uh, right now, as of today, well, on uh, June 20th was World Refugee Day. And that's when we released it. And it's you can stream it directly on the website. That's awesome. We'll, we'll point that. We'll point people to that so they can find it. Julie, we appreciate your time, and we look forward to what God is going to do through this and whatever movement comes from it. Just know you have our prayers and support. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. Ooh, that's good. So, do you need some emotional support? Well, all the rage right now: emotional support sheep. I saw this this morning, and I thought, really. Like, I mean, I've heard of, you know, I know people that have like emotional support dogs or cats. I, and, and that to me makes sense. But like, are you just going to keep a sheep in your house? Well, it is a specific kind of sheep that acts like a dog. It is a black nosed sheep. And it looks like someone dipped a white sheep and took it, dipped its nose in black paint. It's solid black nose. It's so cute. And you know, you've got people doing goat yoga. Wayne and I are bound and determined to do that, where you're doing a yoga pose and a little baby goat climbs on you. And there's also instances where people are like, I want to pet a cow. I do love cows and I want to be near cows. I will admit mm-hmm. it. Well, they pay to go and just pet and be with sweet cows and it helps their stress. Well, somebody said, this is the cutest sheep. Why not bring it for kids to see it yeah. and kids with emotional and developmental problems pet the sheep and they feel better. One little girl that wasn't speaking anymore, mm-hmm. they brought this sheep to, this is in England where they have the emotional support sheep and she started speaking. <laughs> it's really cool. Was her first words, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't Sorry. do that. Sorry. <laughs> the dad joke in me. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> we appreciate you hanging out and spending time with us again. Thanking our friends at uh, My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Make sure you subscribe, follow, and like so you don't miss future episodes. <laughs> Roxanne, I love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.